In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We as servants are called to be wise and faithful. Since the Lord Jesus Christ actually said, Who is the wise, the wise and faithful steward? whom his master would appoint on his children. So we as Sunday school servants, we are stewards. And God appointed us over his children. So God expecting from us these two virtues, faithfulness and wisdom. Who is the wise and faithful steward? So today I like to speak about one of these two requirements, which is uh, faithfulness. And the reference that I'm going to use is First uh, Corinthians chapter four. So I want you to open your scripture to First Corinthians chapter four. Through studying this chapter, we, we, we will understand what faithfulness in servants in service means. And then, if there is more time, I will give some practical application in service. How can we apply what St. Paul mentioned in this chapter into our service? So, St. Paul said, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So he's saying the people should look at us, whether clergy or Sunday school servants, as servants of Christ. Actually, the original word in the Greek text means as slaves of Christ. Slaves in a good way, not in a bad way, meaning willingly we submitted our will completely, we surrendered our will completely to the will of God. So St. Paul is saying, if we are servants of Christ, then we we need to be uh, totally obedient to God, that's our faithfulness totally obedient to God. Can you imagine a slave rebel against his master? You cannot imagine this. But we as a slave of Christ, as I said, it's by our own will. We choose to be his own slaves. And stewards of the mysteries of God, speaking here about clergy, God entrusted us with the sacraments, the mysteries. So, uh, when actually we administer any mystery, we administer it as a steward, not owner. I'm just a channel. I'm just uh, a tool in the hand of God to administer these mysteries. For example, when Abuna prays the absolution, Abuna does not, actually, he is not the one who forgives your sin. 
It is the Holy Spirit who forgives your sin. But Abuna is just a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit to forgive your sin. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So he said, one of the two requirements in any steward to be faithful. As I told you, the Lord said, who is the wise and faithful steward? Wise and faithful steward. So it is a requirement. So God actually will examine us to see whether we are faithful or not. Worthy to be entrusted to be his stewards or not. But who can judge this? Actually, there are three peoples or three groups can judge this. Either the congregation people can say whether I am faithful or not, or I can judge myself and I say I am faithful or not, or God can judge me whether I am faithful or not. So St. Paul, regarding the first group, verse 3, he said, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. So he's saying, if you judge me that I am a faithful servant, but in front of God I am not, then your judgment will not help me. The opposite is true. If you judge me that I am not faithful, but God sees me as faithful, then your judgment more or less will not change anything in the assessment of God. This doesn't mean we should ignore the feedback. No, the feedback is important for us. But St. Paul is saying the ultimate judge is God, not you. What about me? Can I judge myself? In verse 3 he said, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Because all of us who have tendency to justify ourselves. Most of us, when we evaluate our service, we say, thank God I'm faithful. I'm doing all my duties. I'm doing visitation. I'm preparing the lessons. I pray for my children in the class. So I am faithful. But St. Paul answered this in verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself. St. Paul said, if I evaluate myself, I I, I am okay. There is nothing lacking in my service. I can say I am faithful. Yet, I am not justified by this. The fact that you think you are faithful, this will not justify you. But who will justify you? But he who judges me is the Lord. And this is very important. Our accountability is not to Abuna, is not to Sayyidna, is not to Sunday school coordinator, is not even to myself, is not to my students. Our accountability is before God. I can deceive you and present myself as a faithful servant in front of you, but I cannot deceive God. You may say, oh, Sayyidna is a faithful servant because I'm making sure. 
but I cannot deceive God. That's why we need to understand that our accountability is toward God, not toward anybody else. So, what is the conclusion? Verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Don't judge before the time. Yes, you can give feedback, but not judgment. You cannot judge, you know, this servant is unfaithful. Or even this servant is excellent. Both judgment can be wrong. But, yes, you can give word of encouragement. You can give positive feedback, constructive criticism. But the judgment at the end, it is God who brings to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of heart. Then if I am faithful, but all of you say I am not faithful, but in, in the eyes of God I am faithful, then each one's praise will come from God. In the last day, God actually will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful on what is least, I will appoint you on what is much. Verse 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. What he's trying to say here, the church at Corinth had many, many problems. Actually, every chapter he was addressing one of the problems, a church full of problems. One of the problems is the division among the people. So some people said, you know, we are the disciples of Paul. And Paul is a very faithful servant. Other groups said, no, no, no. We are the disciples of Apollos. Apollos is more faithful than Paul. And a third group said, no, no, no. We are the disciples of Peter. Peter is the one who saw Christ and was one of the twelve and Christ told him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly Father. Peter is more faithful than Paul and Apollos. So there was division among the church. So St. Paul in chapter 3, he told them, Why you divide yourself like this? Actually, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it is God who actually make the plant to grow. Who is Apollos and who is Paul? Just workers with God, servants, stewards with God. Don't judge or evaluate and say, you know, and I like to go to this church because Abuna in this church is more faithful than this church. This is wrong evaluation. Otherwise, you will be like. Uh, the church in uh, in Corinth or at Corinth so he said now these things brethren I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes 
that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. So I am the disciple of Peter, you are the disciple of Paul, I am better than you. Because Peter, one of the twelve, who is Paul? So he said, no, here you are judging the faithfulness of the stewards. But we don't know in the eyes of God who is more faithful than whom. We don't know. So why you brag and why you are puffed up on behalf of Peter, Paul, Apollos, Abu Naflan, Sayyidina Alan? Why you are puffed up because of this? No. We are just workers with God. And then he told them, even when you think about yourself that you are a talented servant, you have a lot of talent, and because of your talents, you are a faithful servant. You do many activities, you, you have creativity, you, you uh, keep your children all the summer busy with different activities, you give them constructive and, and edifying homeworks, etc., etc. So in verse 7 is a very important verse. For who makes you differ from another? If you have more talent than me, who made this difference? Is it you? No, it is God who gives you five talents, but he gives me one talent. So if God gives you five talents, and God give me one talent, you should not brag with these five talents. Actually, if you receive more, you will be accountable for more. So, who makes you differ from another? It is God with what he gave you. And what do you have that you did not receive? These talents that you are bragging and arrogant about it, you received this talent from God freely to serve others by these talents, not just to brag about it. That's why we say, that especially tomorrow at the Feast of the Descent of the Holy Spirit, when we speak about the gifts of the Spirit, which are the talents that we have, we say gifts are tools and not jewelry. Why? Jewelry, usually the person uses the jewelry to adorn himself. But tools, he uses the tools to help others. So the gifts of the Spirit are not jewelry. You brag about it and you adorn yourself with the jewelry. No. They are tools God gave to you to serve others. And if you received these tools, why you are bragging? As he said, what do you have? that you did not receive from God. St. Peter in First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 said, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another, serve one another, as good and faithful steward of the manifold grace of God. So part of my faithfulness, that any gift God gives me, I take it and serve others. Now, if you did indeed receive it. If you did indeed receive these gifts and these talents, why do you boast as if you had not received it? 
So part of your faithfulness, don't boast, don't brag over the talents that you received freely from God. The more you receive, the more you will be accountable. Then from verse 8, he is using what we call uh, holy sarcasm. So he's speaking in, in a sarcastic way just to, to send them a message. He's telling them, you are already full. You believe that you are full, but you are not. Because you were bragging, we are the children or the disciples of Peter, we are the disciples of Apollos. So you are already full. You are already rich. You believe that you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. You said we don't need Paul, we don't need Peter. We already know it all. Why should I go to church? Why I should be a disciple? Why I should attend the servants meeting? No, I am rich. I, I am full. I know it all. Why I give my lesson to the Sunday school coordinator to review it? Does he know better than me? No, he doesn't. I don't need to do this. So he tells them, you believe that you are full, you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign. I hope that what you believe was true. Because if this was true, usually the servant will be rewarded with his children. That's why St. Paul said, you are our crown, you are our glory. If our children are actually full and rich spiritually and kings spiritually, then we will be actually rewarded with them. That's why he told them, indeed I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. You know, usually a servant or a clergyman, anybody can easily attack them. And expecting to forgive, to be forgiven. For example, anyone is upset with a Sunday school servant. Very easily he can attack him. And uh, he can put something on the social media against him. And this can be done against clergy also. And then if you tell him, that's wrong, you cannot do this, he will tell you, no, no, he should forgive me. He's speaking about forgiveness. So, St. Paul is saying, we understand that as apostles, we are last. People actually can trample over us. They give them the, themselves the right to trample over us. People cannot uh, curse judges publicly. And if, if you go to a court and you lost your, your, your case, you cannot curse the judge publicly. You cannot curse the lawyer publicly. You cannot curse your physician publicly. But it's easy to curse your son's school servant or your clergy public. It's easy, because you know they will not actually, yeah, they will forgive you. So that, that's what St. Paul is saying here. 
God has displayed to us the apostles last as men condemned to death as men condemned to death when a person is condemned to death anybody can curse him and he's criminal he's condemned to death for we have been made a spectacle to the world both to the angels and to men angels they see what happens to us the servants of Christ and actually they consider our suffering and present it to God and pray for us and intercede on our behalf for men when we are a spectacle the, the men actually they take more stones and stone us so what's faithfulness here faithfulness is the ability to endure all this suffering with joy knowing if they did this work with Christ then no wonder it's nothing strange if they did it with us too in Sirach chapter 2 verse 1 it says my son if you presented yourself to serve the Lord prepare yourself to many tribulations why I'm saying this some of us when we start serving if there is any hardship if there is any tribulation we back off I don't want to serve anymore no part of your servant of your service of your faithfulness in service that you should know you will suffer tribulations as Christ suffered many hardships to save us ended by his crucifixion and his death so we should be ready and expecting these tribulations in our ministry I think that God has displayed us the apostles last as men condemned to death for we have been made a spectacle to the world both to the angels and to men so the Corinthians accused Paul and the servants as foolish so he told them in verse 10 we are fools for Christ's sake I will accept that you accuse me that I am foolish and you think you are wise in Christ we are weak why he said we are weak because after all these attacks against St. Paul he did not actually excommunicate anybody because of these personal attacks he did not actually uh, rebuke them harshly so some people perceive the gentleness of the servants of Christ as weakness and again it's part of our faithfulness to be a faithful servant you need to be gentle and kind even in the front of the attacks that come to you don't avenge yourself God said vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord so you perceive that you are weak we are weak and you are strong because you attack, attack us publicly and we don't do anything for you we don't repay evil for evil rather we repay evil with good 
That's why you perceive us as weak. You believe that you are distinguished because you are the disciples of so and so and who are dishonored, who are despised. You can actually speak negatively about us and criticize us and trample over us. To this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. So we suffer all of this. It is part of our faithfulness in ministry. If anyone actually starts serving and then he became hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, he may say, I will quit. I cannot serve anymore. But the endurance and the ability to have long suffering in your service, that's a sign of faithfulness. So when people actually refused to provide for the needs of St. Paul, how did he do? What did he do? Did he quit service? He said, if there is no financial support to my needs, then I, I will quit. No. He said, we labor working with our own hands. And so I will serve and also I will support my ministry. Being reviled, we bless. So the people revile him and in turn he bless. Being persecuted, we endure. That's faithfulness. We as servants, we will be reviled. Don't repay evil by evil. Be faithful like your master. Repay reviling by blessing. We will be persecuted, endure. Being defamed, people will defame us. We entreat. We entreat on your behalf. We pray to God for you. We have been made as the filth of the world the offscoring of all things until now. So that's what he endured. Did he quit? No, he did not quit. Did he say, I'm not going to serve the Corinthian anymore? No, he did not. He continued to serve. That's faithfulness. That's a commitment. I'll be faithful regardless. Then as a father, He told them, by the way, I do not write these things to shame you. Don't believe that I'm writing these things to make you feel ashamed or embarrassed. But as my beloved children, I warn you. I warn you because you are drifting away from the right conduct and the right behavior. That's why I'm warning you. My goal is not to shame you or to embarrass you, but my goal is to bring you to repentance. My goal is not to defend myself. No, that's not my goal. But I'm warning you for your own uh, salvation. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you don't have many fathers. Why? For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. St. Paul is the one who preached Corinth, is the one who baptized them, 
is the one who begot them as children to Christ. So now you are bragging that you are disciples of Apollos or Peter or so, but you forgot, yes, you may have thousand or ten thousand of instructors, but I am your father. There is only one father here. I have begotten you through the gospel. And by the way, the Protestant who say you cannot say to the priest Abuna because you cannot call anybody father except God, this verse here, St. Paul is telling them clearly, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ I have begotten you. So he's telling them, I am your father here. You are my children and I'm your father. Usually children imitate their father, therefore I urge you, imitate me. Uh, one of the things they criticized Paul uh, is that Paul told them, I, I, I cannot come and visit you right now. I will send to Timothy, who is my disciple, and actually is like exactly like me, or maybe better than me. So some people said, if he is father, why he doesn't come and visit us? So he told them, for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. So some people considered that St. Paul belittling them, not respecting them, because he did not go by himself, but he sent Timothy to remind them of the way of Christ and his teaching. Then St. Paul in verse 19, he said, But I will come to you shortly. The fact that I told you I'm sending Timothy doesn't mean I'm not coming. No, I'm coming to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up by the power. Because many people actually speak, speak, speak as if they are strong. But when you confront them, they have no power. So the real power is not the power of word, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says these people have loud voice, but they are not powerful because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So when I come, I will see, I will know, not the words of those who puffed up by the power, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit with you, then you are powerful. If not, then there is no power. Then he concluded this chapter with a warning. You perceive that I am weak. So he told them, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Until now, I'm coming to you in love and spirit of gentleness. But sometimes I have to change this and come with Iran because if people did not respond to the love and the spirit of gentleness, some will respond to the Iran. And don't force me to use the Iran. 
The same was God. God in his dealing with us all the time. He starts with love and spirit of gentleness. But when we take advantage of his love, and when we take advantage of his gentleness, then God actually may stop using this love and gentleness and will use the rod to discipline us. What, what happened with, with Samson? God was very, very gentle with Samson. And many times Samson actually commit adultery and God actually rescued him. Many times. But Samson did not repent. So God said, you know what? Now it is time for the rod. Because I love Samson. I'm going to use the rod, not because I don't love him, but because I love him. And he delivered him to the hand of the Philistines. They plucked out his eyes, they bound him with fetters of uh, iron, and they made him grind like the animals. And here only, Samson repented and returned back to God. Sometimes we force God to use the rod with us. We should not. We actually should take advantage of his, in a, in a positive way. We, we should respond to his love and to spirit of gentleness. We should not force him to actually use uh, the rod. So this chapter actually gives us Saint Paul as an example of faithfulness in, in service. He endured a lot. He was reviled, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he, he didn't have food to eat or to drink, he was homeless. But in spite of all of this, he was faithful and continued his service. So, in our ministry, how can we apply this principle in, in our life? Number one, actually, if you go to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The only way to get the crown of life is to be faithful. When you are faithful. Unto death or until death can be understood in two different ways. Be faithful even if the cost that you will be killed like the martyrs. Be faithful. Like the 20 martyrs of Libya. They were faithful unto death. And they died, they shed their blood. But also, it can be understood differently that be faithful all the days of your life until you die. So faithfulness cannot be just in a period of our life. No, you need to be faithful all the days until the last breath and you will receive the crown of life. So, in your ministry, as Sunday school servant, you need to be faithful all the time. Think about what are the requirements 
visitation, praying for your class, preparing lessons, being a good example to them, attending the meetings in the church, all these requirements. And see, are you faithful unto death or not? Second principle in uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 10. St. Paul says, showing all good fidelity or faithfulness that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Definitely the doctrine of God doesn't need anyone to adorn them because they are beautiful in themselves. But what did he mean by that may that they may adorn the doctrine of God? For example, when we, 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 we speak about doctrine of giving, and we say, Ambabraam the Bishop of Al-Fayyum is an example of giving. So by being faithful in this virtue, actually he showed us the beauty of this uh, virtue of giving. Prayer. Pope Krellus, when he lived his life as a life of prayer, every day he prayed a liturgy, every day he prayed vespers, every single day. So he showed us the power and the beauty of the life of prayer. So that's what he meant, they adore. When actually we are faithful in our ministry, we adore the doctrine of God. We show the people, we show others how the service is beautiful, how to be a steward of God, how to be a servant to God is beautiful. One of the most important principles, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. 1 Samuel 12, 24. He says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Serve him in truth, in other translations, serve him faithfully, faithfully, with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. As, as a servants, Sunday school servants, we need to serve the, and worship him and to serve him faithfully, in truth. Some servants they don't attend liturgy or they come late to the liturgy and at the same time they are Sunday school servants so how if I am not faithful in serving and worshipping the Lord how I can become a Sunday school servant 
Some servants are not faithful in studying and understanding the scripture. How can you teach the word of God if you are not faithful in understanding and studying the word of God? Can you imagine a math teacher doesn't understand math? A science teacher doesn't understand science? You are a teacher of the word of God. So, if you don't understand the scripture, and if you don't read it, and many, many passages, you don't know it, you never read it, how you become a teacher of the word of God? And the, the solution is not to quit. The solution is to edify yourself. You know, when we ordain a reader, in the commandment after ordination, we tell him, now you are a reader. You need to study, studying the scripture chapter by chapter. Because the reader in the church not only read, and read from the Katamaras, but also he should be able to interpret the reading. Serve the Lord with faithfulness. How can you teach children about fasting and you don't fast? After tomorrow, the fast of the apostles will start. And this year is short, it's just three weeks. And the fast of the apostles is considered the fast of the service because we fast for the ministry, for the service. So the first one should fast this fasting is Sunday school servants. So if we are not fasting and participating in the fast that is dedicated to the service, how can we say we, we serve the Lord faithfully and then we can teach our children? So here, fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Serve Him faithfully with all your heart considering what great thing has done for you. If God has done all these great things to you, then you need to be uh, faithful. One of the examples of faithfulness, we can read it in 3 John. 3 John is one chapter. And this letter was sent to a person named Gaius, as in verse 1. Gaius, when people stopped by the, his, the church, he was serving in this church, whether believers or non-believers, he received them well, and he was hospitable for them. Not only he was hospitable during this visit, but when they ended the visit and going to, back to their journey, he did not send, send them empty-handed. That's why in verse 5, St. John is telling him, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers. Brethren means the believers, strangers the non-believers, who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey, in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. 
So he's telling him, you, what you did, you did it faithfully. So actually, if I am assigned with any service in the church other than Sunday school, if I was asked, for example, to clean the church, if I'm asked to do something in, in the website of the church, if I'm asked to do some work in the IT, whatever, am I doing it faithfully, knowing that I'm doing this to God, or sometimes just I, I, I am doing it uh, as little as enough just to make it work and that's it. No. Here, Gaius, he told him, you do faithfully whatever you do. Whatever he does, he, he, he used to do it faithfully. Uh, when actually we are faithful, we will receive many blessings in our life. In, in uh, Proverb 28 and verse 20, A faithful man will abound with blessings. Will abound with blessings. God actually will shower you with blessings in every aspect in your life. Not only that, but in uh, in same chapter, verse 16, a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. But he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. The one who hates covetousness because he is a faithful person. And his days will be prolonged. Uh, his days will be prolonged doesn't mean that he will live more than 100 years. No. The day his days will be blessed, so the days of joy, the days of peace, will be more. Jacob lived more than hundred years, but when Pharaoh asked him about his age, he said, "My age is little and miserable, because all his life he was crying over Joseph, assuming that." Uh, he was killed. So yes, he lived more than 100 years, but he described his days as little and miserable. John the Baptist, he lived 30 years only, or 31, 32, something like this. But his days were full of blessings. So the days of John the, uh, the Baptist were prolonged not the days of Jacob. One of the beautiful blessings, we read it in Psalm 101, verse 6. Uh, in this psalm, actually, David was speaking uh, the tongue of Christ. 
So the one who is saying this psalm is Christ, but on the mouth of David. So, in verse 6, My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. So here God is saying, my eyes shall be on the faithful. So God is looking for the faithful. He will say, who are the faithful in this church? Who are the faithful in this city? Who are the faithful in this country? Who are the faithful in the land? Uh, Why? Why God is looking for the faithful? That they may dwell with me. So when we are faithful, we will dwell with him. In in the book of, of Revelation, he said, they will be seated in my throne. So we will dwell with him, just being faithful. So every day at the end of the night, we should ask ourselves, what about this day? Am I faithful to the Lord? Did actually I serve the Lord faithfully this day or not? That's why the continuation of the verse, He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. God chose us to serve him, but he is expecting from us to walk in a perfect way. Perfect way means to be faithful. God will. God is not looking for our success. He did not say who is the successful and wise steward. He said no. Who is the faithful and wise steward? God did not say you were successful in little things. I will appoint you in more things. No. He said you were faithful in little so I will appoint you in much. God, because success is from him. But God is looking for our faithfulness, not for our success. My eyes over those who are shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. So we be, we will be honored with him. And as the Lord said in Matthew 25 and verse 21, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God wants us to be faithful in these few things, in these few responsibilities, so he can appoint us to be ruler over many things in the kingdom of heaven. The last point I like to mention here, God mentioned some dimensions about faithfulness in Luke chapter 16. He actually mentioned three important dimensions. 
لوك 16 فيرس 10 11 12 نمبر فيرست اي faithful هي هو از least is faithful also in much verse 11 if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit your trust the true riches third dimension if you have not been faithful in what is another man's who will give you what's your own so God actually is expecting from us to be faithful in what's least to be faithful in things pertaining to this world because everything in this world is considered unrighteous if we compare it with the, the kingdom of heaven and third thing God wants us to be faithful on what belongs to others in what's least if you have a class of three or four children are you faithful with these three and four children maybe when if I'm serving a class has 25-30 I will think about activities for them field trips, homework contest, competitions festivals but sometimes they, they are three What about if one is missing? You see, but thank God I have 99% attendance. Are you faithful on what's least? Like the good shepherd who left the 99 to search for the one lost sheep? So God wants you to be faithful on what's least. Number two, God wants you to be faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon things pertaining to this world so to what extent we are faithful in things pertaining to this world faithful for example in money Uh, when actually we do our budget for Sunday school service are we faithful or just we are too stingy or sometimes Uh, we spend a lot not caring about the money so are we faithful or not and the third thing if you have not been faithful on what is another means we know everything here doesn't belong to us we were born naked and we will leave the world naked so everything here is not ours If we are not faithful in what we have here, how God will trust us with the heavenly inheritance? Inheritance means it is ours. So are we faithful in everything we have it here? So as I told you in the beginning, as a steward, as servants, God wants us to be faithful. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you crown of life. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful on little things. I will make you ruler over many things. Faithfulness is a very important virtue, a requirement in us as Sunday school servant. Let us follow the example of the Lord himself 
and his apostles, like St. Paul, how to be faithful in our ministry. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.